This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast is sponsored by Brewskits, handcrafted dog treats made from spent beer grains, oats, barley, and rye. No chemical preservatives, a great source of fiber, and packed with protein. Visit brewskits.com to see the full selection of treats for your dog and your cat. Receive 15% off your first order by typing in two important words, Fermented Adventure, at checkout. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. He's Pat Trimontano. I'm Rich Shane. John Ranieri's here. And this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. And we are at Northeast Barrel Company in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. We'll talk about that. I'm excited. This is for me, it's like barrels. We get to talk barrels today, Pat. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be on. Pat, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. How did all this get started? Uh, where do I begin? So I um, I was a home brewer back in, I guess it was 2014. Still, I'm a home brewer, but two kids and full-time job. I haven't done as much, but... Um, I always wanted to be in the industry, so I had a buddy who would homebrew with me, and we actually looked into getting into starting our own brewery, living the dream that all of us homebrewers have, and um, kind of just never really amounts to anything. And meanwhile, my best friend from high school, who was living out in Salt Lake City, Utah, um, he was dabbling with buying barrels and repurposing them into furniture. And he was buying them from one of his best friends that worked at Epic Brewing. And, you know, as time went by, he ended up asking his buddy, like, hey, where do you guys buy these barrels from? And they were buying a lot of these barrels from brokers in the West Coast or the Western half of the United States. And my buddy Matt asked me out here on the, in, you know, on the East Coast and said, does anyone out there sell barrels to breweries? And I was like, no, I, I didn't even know breweries were really buying that many barrels. And he said, well, like, why don't we look into that? I think there could be an opportunity here. So I started doing some research and I was going to a lot of beer festivals, even the Lansdale Beer Festival here. Anybody that was serving barrel aged beer, I'd go up to them and ask them, like, where are you guys getting your barrels from? Um, how expensive are they? And a lot of them were saying, you know, the, the barrels aren't too crazy expensive, but shipping them out here is almost more expensive than the barrels themselves. So after doing more research and finding out like what the cost would be to ship them out here and uh, what the cost was that we could potentially get them at, we said like, hey, there's there's a business here. I mean, there's a niche. These these brewers out here on the East Coast need barrels. They're paying way too much in shipping. Um, so I you know I talked to Matt again. I said, hey, let's do this. This is a good business opportunity. So 
Um, we bought a truckload from um, Kendall Jackson Winery after endless phone calls and emails. What was that like? Because I'm, I'm thinking you're starting up. Right. And you're just introducing yourself and say, it's Pat. Right. I need some barrels. Right. Send them out this way. What do you want for them? Right? Exactly. So, I mean, like I said, there was probably countless cold calls and emails just blasted out to anyone in California, all the distilleries in Kentucky, like, hey, we have this business idea. We need barrels. Now, where do we get them? So, Somehow we just got lucky with Kendall Jackson. We just got in touch with the right person. For some reason, she liked us. She said, hey, why don't you come out and meet with me and we'll talk. Um, so we went out to California, met with the head of their barrel department, and she said, all right, I'll sell you a truckload, but it's going to cost you guys. It was probably way out of market, um, the price we paid. But we're like, you know, let's let's take the risk, buy it, and, and see where it leads us. Um, so we had our first truckload of barrels. And, and what year is this? 2015. Okay. Um, and at the time, there was actually a barrel shortage then as well. There was a lot of barrels going over to Scotland being repurposed to make Scotch whiskey. Um, so once we got that truckload, of course, we needed a place to keep the barrels. We still were kind of scrambling for a place. And we were actually advertising this truckload of barrels before we even knew what we were going to do with them. And um, John Stemmler out of Free Will Brewing just happened to see my, my tweet advertising this and said, like, hey, if you guys need space, we have some room in the basement. So I immediately called him, set up a, you know, a lease in the back of a napkin and said, let's do it. So um, so we got a, found a home for our truckload and brought it in. And, you know, the rest is kind of history, as they say. So, um, you know, a lot of credit to, to Free Will Brewing and John, especially uh, for hooking us up with that. That was a good way for us to get started. Well, I'm sure John also wanted to, you know, have have a nice inroad yeah. to make sure he had barrel supply, exactly. too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He looked at it as, hey, I have a barrel supplier in my basement in my brewery. I can make a lot of fun stuff from the stuff. And they do. Yeah, they, they really do. do. Yeah. So 2015 to where we are today, mm. 2022, you did mention a second ago that at the time there was a barrel shortage. And as you were taking us through and touring us through your facility, right. there's a barrel shortage now. Right. There is. Yeah. It's um, The industry is totally upside down right now. There's um, obviously 2020 happened. The whole world shut down. Uh, so these big distilleries in Kentucky were just stockpiling barrels because normally they're shipping them out every day. But when the world was shut down for a month or two months or however long it was, they just sat there. So then once everything started running again, they immediately had to get rid of all these barrels. Um, so they were basically just liquidating them. And um, a lot of these barrels, unfortunately, went to furniture makers or um, department stores like Home Depot and Lowe's. They were cut in half for planners. So we have hundreds of thousands of barrels that were normally in circulation in the spirits and beer world now just out of commission. Um, so that obviously creates some issues. And then also during 2020, it was a rough year for a lot of people. A lot of people were drinking. So there was a huge demand now for rum, tequila, scotch, all these spirits that utilize bourbon barrels. So now their production's way up. So their demand's been higher than ever for barrels. And plus, there's a shortage I already mentioned. So there's, it's, it's just been crazy. All, a lot of these barrels are going overseas, unfortunately, and there's not a lot that are left over for the U.S. But, you know, we're, we're finding different sources and we're able to, to share some within, our, within the U.S. So. Where you are now, I mean, you mentioned the shortage, mm -hmm. but I would imagine that you've got good relationships, that you're developing good relationships, as well as people recognizing who you are in the right. industry. Right. And... Does that make it at least 
you know, before, as you said, you know, you're calling around, you're email blasting. Right. But now when you pick up the phone, you say, hey, it's Pat. Yeah, exactly. They know, you know, hey, it's Northeast Barrel Company. They know who you are. And does that make it easier, at least, for you to source barrels? Yeah, it does. I mean, it definitely does having the connections and the relationships. But the issue is these big distilleries have parent companies that also own rum and tequila distilleries. So... They're going to keep it within the family. Yeah, so if you're talking Sazerac, Diageo, you know, Jim Beam, Suntory, they're also saying, hey, now we've got this next line where we can take these and we're maximizing the value of these barrels, right? Right, Right. exactly. So they have to stay within the family. But there there is some excess. Like we get some of the premium barrels, a lot of the rum, tequila, and scotch guys, they don't really care what bourbon was in it. They just want used bourbon barrels. Um, so we'll get some of the more premium bands brands still. Um, we have a good relationship with Beam, um, and then we're also focusing on the, the craft distillers. I and mean, now craft distillers have been around for some time now that they're producing their own bourbon, um, or they're utilizing MGP and now getting rid of those barrels. So we've been able to get in with some some newer up and coming craft distillers that have you know sizable barrel programs. So that's been kind of our focus this year is getting away from the major brands and focusing on some of the smaller guys and helping them with their barrel programs. Um, Because a lot of these small craft guys, they stockpile barrels, and we are doing them a service by taking all their used barrels and paying them for it, which is is pretty awesome for them. And then we're also giving the barrel a second life um, to be filled with beer or even other spirits. Cider, mead, things like that. Exactly, right. Pat, talk about the life of a barrel as it... You know, as it comes to you, you you have some distillery that says, hey, then you make an arrangement, barrels come in the front door or the the loading dock. What happens to them then? So the bourbon and wine barrels, we typically get them super fresh. The let me start with the wine guys, they take care of their barrels like they're they're children. I mean they're they're beautiful barrels, they're always in well well conditioned, well good, well maintained. They actually rinse them and gas them with SO2 so that they're set for storage. So those we really don't have to do much. We'll just, you know, visually take an inspection on them if they see if there's any cracks. Um, and then before we ship them out the door, we give them a quick smell just to make sure they're they're not vinegary or have any off flavors. Um, same with the bourbon barrels. I mean, they're fresh, empty. When we get them in, sometimes there's a liter or two still of bourbon inside, which is awesome. Our customers love that. Um, again, that's just a visual inspection, see if there's any cracks or any signs of leakage. Um, but then there's the barrels, like the rum barrels I was showing you guys, that were originally Jack Daniels barrels or Heaven Hill barrels, and typically from you know 10 to 20 years ago, and then they are used for aging rum for 10 to 20 years. So these are old barrels, and some of these barrels are older than me, um, which is crazy. And they actually age their barrels upright on pallets, so they drill holes in the barrels. Um, so it's really important for us that we replace the head bone barrel. Um, and then we also put it on our steamer, pressure test it, make sure the barrels are watertight. Uh, we even wax the head bung to make sure that it's nice and sealed up so that our brewing customers can use them on their side. So we don't do that process for necessarily all the barrels, but the ones that are definitely older and have had a longer life um, and have traveled you know, all, all over the world, that we, we take the precautionary steps to make sure that they're, that they're good to go. Um, so those are those are mainly the two two issues that we deal with. Yeah, my perception is, and what I've always at least heard people who want to use barrels is they can't dry out, but even on our tour, they actually can, and you can recondition them and bring them back to life. Don't can you? Correct. Yeah. So that's a good point. So we were talking about the maple syrup barrels. Um, some some of the bourbon barrels we had actually had maple syrup in them last, and the sugar content of that maple syrup 
can pull out the liquid from the stays, which causes the barrels to dry out. So, um, I mean, you saw the barrels actually had like maple syrup seeping out of them. So those we hit every time with our steamer to bring them back to life and make sure that they're rejuvenated and ready to age again. How did you learn that? Was it just trial and error or is it something, you know, was it a YouTube video? It was all trial, trial and error. <laughs> so. so you literally said one day to your partner, what if we steam these, right? right? Or Right. So the issue was that, you know, occasionally we get some barrels in that would be perfectly fine. They smell great, um, but there'd be a slight leak in them or, you know, the head felt like it was a little dry. And we would just cut them into planters and sell them at like a fraction of what we would normally get. So... To me, it was, well, why don't we buy a steamer and try to rejuvenate some of these barrels and make sure, not necessarily rejuvenate, but like any questionable questionable barrels we bring in, we could test them and make sure that our customers are going to be happy with them before we send them out the door. So, yeah, we just went for it, and it was definitely a lot of trial and error. Um, I don't know how I've managed to figure it out, but I did, and I feel like I got it down pretty pretty good. I just need to teach somebody else to do it so they can help me out. So, okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was a it was a good it was a good step. I think it actually really elevated us um, because we could guarantee you know that some of these crazy more exotic barrels are leak free. So. Mentioning crazy exotic barrels, you showed us the barrel from Texas mm-hmm. that has it's it's not an agave. What is that? Talk about that a little bit. So it's a spirit that is made from a plant that only grows in southern Texas slash northern Mexico. It's similar to a succulent, I'm told, um, but they actually bake the plant before they just get the juice out and distill it, um, which gives it this interesting smoky taste. Um, but it definitely has some of that agave features, like that citrusy earthiness to it. Um, so it's a really interesting spirit. And we've been buying barrels um, filled with Sotol for the last few years now. And our customers. And that's what it's called, Sotol? Yeah, Sotol, S-O-T-O-L. Okay. So, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So we're all into stuff like that. We're trying to find crazy spirits like that that not a lot of people have heard of or worked with before and, and introducing them. So That was something as we were going around that was on my mind as you're showing us, well, these are the wine barrels, the white wine barrels, the red wine barrels, and these are from Kentucky and Tennessee. Right. For you, are there like holy grail barrels, you know, as, as somebody that maybe a distiller or who is going to put beer on them that says, you know, hey, Pat, I want you to go out and find this. I mean, are there holy grail barrels that you're in search of all the time that those are the things that you keep your eye out for? Um, so I, I always get requests for Pappy Van Winkle barrels. I mean, that's like the number one barrel I get asked for. And no, unfortunately, I have never been able to get my hands on any of those Um if I did, I don't even know how much they'd be, but that, that's probably the holy grail of bourbon at least. But um, for distilleries, I mean, distillers go crazy for um, sherry barrels, um, which I showed you some that I had, the Sherry PX, Pedro Jimenez. For some reason, those seem to be like the top priority for distilleries. They always want to get those. Uh, the ones I have in stock, unfortunately, are last used for rye whiskey. They still have some of that aroma, the PX. Um but that's, those are probably the number two, one and two barrels is Pappy Van Winkle, domestically at least, and internationally, probably Sherry PX, people want the most of. You mentioned internationally. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're sourcing barrels not just from the United States, right. but around the world when you can find them. Correct, yeah. Um, we have a good relationship with a Cooperage over in France. We get a lot of cognac barrels from him and also cognac tanks, which are like just the big wooden upright tanks. Um, we're also getting fortified wine from him called Pinot de Charentes and also Calvados, which is a uh, apple brandy from, from France. Uh, so he's been a good relationship. 
the issue right now is shipping costs out of Europe are outrageously high. Um, when we first started, it was like $5,000 to ship a container from France. Now it's almost $12,000 US. So it's been difficult to justify bringing in barrels like that because um, we're just not sure if the market's going to be willing to pay what they're going to have to for us to be profitable on barrels like that. Um, but we are taking a risk and bringing in a container of cognac barrels um, that should be here in April or May. Um, we just decided to go for it and see what the market does. Um, to help supplement those barrels too is like I had showed you we're we're also adding stainless to barrels so if you wanted a 500 liter cognac barrel with like a manway on top and a drain on the bottom and a racking valve that's something that we're and you said breweries would use that and that's Correct. that's good for them I would think breweries cideries meaderies not sure if the spirits world will want that but people that are going to use these barrels over and over again for many years to have valves on them like that is really um, beneficial so um, that's something that we're pushing for this year that we're going to start advertising more of. Um, so, yeah. So the other things that we're bringing in are some uh, Mezcal barrels from Mexico. My business partner, Matt, he's a travel freak. I mean, he goes everywhere. Um, some of the places in Mexico, I don't think anyone from the U.S. has ever been to, I swear. I mean, but he's been there. He goes there. He, he All right, does you tell You tell Matt anytime he wants to have like a, uh, somebody go with him and just carry his baggage. I mean, I would be interested in that because he, if you he, have those relationships, mm -hmm. you're going to go places that people oh, most yeah. people don't get to see. Yep. So he loves Oaxaca. Uh, he actually got married down there two months ago. I was down there at the wedding. It was an awesome city. Highly recommend you guys go if you get the opportunity. Um but the, he goes to a lot of like Mezcal uh, Palenques, which is what they call the distilleries down there, uh, that are just up in the mountains in like the jungle, basically. And it's like a little shack with uh, carboys full of uh, fermenting Mezcal, which is just, it's, it's interesting. I wish I, I wasn't able to go on the tour, but he did a tour as part of the wedding, some of these Palenques. But he's managed a way to network down there and just find the right connections. And now we're getting mezcal barrels so that's really really what it's going to come down to isn't it yeah. it's it's continuing to grow your relationships and your network right so that you're always going to be able to provide the quality barrels the quality products that now you know like you said those breweries cideries meaderies wineries even the distilleries to do secondary finishing they know to look to you if, if there's something that they want exactly yeah yeah and we really pride ourselves on authenticity. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing in this industry is, you know, we're selling a used product. We're only really as good as a word, but we really do it best we can to make sure that whatever we're bringing in is the true and real product. It's it's authentic and came right from the source. So that's uh, that's definitely our biggest focus in this industry because um, you just you just don't know. I mean, you're again, like I said, you're trusting you're trusting you know the, the broker. You know, you can say anything, but we we really pride ourselves on finding true and authentic products and that's part of what Matt does traveling to Germany and Spain and Portugal and Mexico and Jamaica so I mean that's that's what he's doing <laughs> so. that's a good that's a good gig yeah it that's, is isn't bad right that's, that's not bad at right all right off a business trip to Jamaica let's, yeah let's go. I'm looking for barrels <laughs> there you go I'm looking over your shoulder and I see a little is it a four ounce bag of wood chips yeah so that's our kind of another thing that we're getting into this year is looking into some exotic wood so not necessarily used barrels, but just interesting different woods that people haven't really used for, um, you know, in the beer, wine, and spirit industry. Um, the best, the one that we're happy with the most is so far is Ambarana, which is a tree that grows in Brazil. It has this really unique um, baking spice, maple syrup, cinnamon kind of smell to it. 
Um, so we start bringing the chips and we're bringing in whole barrels meat out of that. Um, we're just kind of testing the market right now. We do have a container at the port right now um, full of a couple of totes of the chips. So once those get here, then we'll, be start, we'll start selling more of those. But we're really excited about experimenting with them. As I mentioned before, I'm a home brewer. I made a brown ale with them, and the, the flavor profile is really, really incredible. So you would have thought I dumped in like cinnamon and spice into the beer, and it's, it was just the wood chips. That's absolutely creative and clever. Yeah. Now, is that something just you can use for, I guess, the spirit and beer world? Does it does it impart anything for smoking? Um, yeah, so it's funny you say that. So my dad's a big backyard smoker, I guess you could say. So we put um, we put some Lombrana chips in the smoker, and it turned out pretty awesome as well. So okay, that's a whole other side of the business. I mean, literally, if you're bringing in some exotic woods right. that, as you said, home smokers or home barbecue aficionados, even competition, you know, barbecue. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, barbecuers. Yep. That sounds like a great opportunity to have like that 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 little secret in your back pocket, right? Exactly. Right. That's a whole other market and a whole other niche for us to, to possibly look into. So, you've got obviously your barrels. You talked about your chips. You're doing, you know, you're cutting barrels, you're making planters and furniture. If people want to order, I guess, staves and they want to do um, the rings, you've got everything covered. You, one of the things I, I get from our time walking around and seeing everything you're doing is nothing is going to go to waste here. Right. And, and do your friends ask, do you have some close friends that say, hey, you know, can you, can you tilt out a barrel for whatever's left in there and I'll bring a little bottle over? Is that how that works? <laughs> uh, maybe. We won't, we won't okay. We, okay. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, sometimes there is actually a little bit left in there, and I've, I've, I've sampled some stuff. It's, it's interesting. That's definitely a fun part of the, the business. And sometimes I give some customers some samples in case they want to know, like, hey, like, what's... This is what was in there. This is the flavor profile. Yeah. It is. So, yeah, yeah. But nothing goes wasted. No, no. So, like like I was saying, the, um, the, the barrels that we sell to breweries, sometimes we'll buy back the same exact barrels, and then we'll cut them in half in the planters. I cut them vertically. Um, and then we also just sell them to people on Facebook Marketplace that want a, a barrel in their, their bar where they want a barrel in their garden. So the, the barrel gets another life after we're done with it and our brewers are done with it. So it's probably its last and final life will be as a as nice a piece bar, of piece, yeah. or a planter in somebody's garden. But at least it's being fully utilized and not just going to waste. So. We met at CiderCon 2022 in Richmond, Virginia. And was, was that for you, you know... Talking to cideries, did, did that kind of give you some other ideas where the where the market is? What was your you know follow up feedback? What what resonated with you from CiderCon? I so we've been so focused on the brewing industry and even the spirits industry that you know the cider and meat industry is something that Matt and I are like we need to explore this more and and see like what's going on. And I was just fascinated by honestly how good the cider was i mean i'm just i'm I'm not a cider drinker it's something that i want to start getting into but the sampling the ciders there were, were incredible um the ones i'm familiar with they're overly sweet whereas these were really dry and just interesting uh it had interesting flavor profiles and um you know you were at the barrel beer barrel age cider tasting event i was at and i was just really blown away with how the barrels interacted with the cider um yeah that was I at busky mm-hmm. and they have the they did a tequila barrel uh, they did a bourbon barrel they did a scotch barrel and i can't remember there was that other one that they had uh, but a brandy yeah a brandy yeah. that's great and so when you start to see how the barrel and the cider the juice you know play together right. that must give you you know a lot of opportunity in say, right. saying all right now we can also source these barrels and we have 
somewhere where we can, you know, provide them. Yeah, it was another outlet. I mean, wow, so the cider industry really is, and I think it is an up-and-coming industry. It's really starting to get more experimental. Uh, So that was exciting to see. I think that was the most exciting part of CiderCon, just to see how much crazy stuff that that was happening in the cider industry. It's not just the brewing industry, which is doing all these crazy different experimentations. I think it it can only get bigger. It Mm -hmm. can only get more as, like you said, with the brewing industry, it's like, well, all right, you do that and I'll top this, right? Right. Right. right, I'm going to go, you know, start to find these exotic ingredients, but with a barrel, you really get to see how that's going to come out. Right. You really provide a service. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we try to. Um, one thing I always preach, too, is if, you know, you have a local distillery that's selling barrels, I mean, keep those relationships going. We're here for when you want something crazy or I need 10 bourbon barrels now and my local guy doesn't have them. Uh, I think it's good that, you know, people work within their communities that there is a local distillery to source their barrels. But we're here for you when you need something on demand or something crazy off the wall. That's the service we really provide. So. As of today, you expanded. You have more room. Mm-hmm. You're all, you also resell the racks, the, the barrel racks. I mean, you repurpose those as well. Yep. Yeah, so we don't repurpose them, but we buy them. Well, not them. repurpose yeah. them, but we, we find a market them. for them. Yeah, we buy them refurbished. Um, which they basically look brand new. Uh, we work with a company called Rack and Maintenance out of Walla Walla, Washington. Um, they sell us, they don't sell us actually, they just distribute new and refurbished racks to us and we distribute for them. But their racks are top notch and the refurbished racks are at a great price, especially with um, rising steel prices right now. Um, as I mentioned, they repowder coat them, they look brand new basically. Again, nothing goes wasted right. here. <laughs> so, you know, where you are right now, it's 2022, and you have an area to expand to. Where would you like to see, or, or what's your vision for you and Matt? What's your vision for Northeast Barrel Company? Uh, so I think the it's a tough call because um, we got a lot of plans. <laughs> so I, we're only two people, and I have a full-time guy, Brian, and uh, we just have so many ideas, so many directions we want to go in that uh, it's, a, it's a good point you brought that question now is that it's kind of like we're, we're asking ourselves that. Where do we go from here? Um, I think the number one goal is to expand our staff a little bit more, um, have more of a dedicated sales team and more of a dedicated warehouse team so Matt and I can focus more on finding those rare, crazy barrels and um, finding new suppliers and finding experimenting with more of the exotic woods. Uh, the day-to-day just really bogs it down when you're only a three-person team, but... Um, I just, I don't know, I see our, our, I see our team growing for sure. And then also um, together with that, us bringing in new spirits, barrels that people have never heard of before. The exotic woods, I think the Ambarana chip thing and barrel thing is going to be, I think it's going to be big. I mean, the, like I said, I was really blown away with the flavor profile of that wood. And I just think that the breweries and cider makers and distilleries and even wineries, I think are really going to really going to enjoy the, the results they get from that. So so I think that's where we're going, but we'll see. I mean, everything's changing. When you're a small business like this, it seems like every day something something changes. There's always something, right? I mean, you know, driving here, gas prices are up another 20 cents. Right. Three days ago, they were 40 cents cheaper than they are today. And that's got to impact what you're doing, too. Yeah. But it, yeah, shipping costs are a huge part of our, our business. You mentioned that. So, 
Right. So, I mean, like I said, we've actually turned down some shipments because it was just the shipping cost made no sense. So, so yeah, I mean, it's like a day-to-day thing. It's, it's, it's interesting. Where I think making those relationships, as you talked about, with the local producers, mm-hmm. let's say distilleries. I mean, where we are today, um, you know, Dad's Hat has a lot of barrels. Um, and even within Pennsylvania... Um, Maryland, Delaware, you know, Painted Stave is down in Delaware. I mean, there's a lot of distilleries right here that would be able to now, they've got two years coming off the line, they've got four years, they've got four or five, six, seven year barrels that they're now looking for, all right, maybe they don't have a relationship with that local brewery right. or didn't think about that. Yep. Now they have a place for them to it, give a second home. Exactly, right. Yeah, and that is that is a service that we provide distillers. Sometimes, like I had a distillery up in New York that I just talked to a couple, a couple of weeks ago and when I contacted about buying his barrels, he was just ecstatic. <laughs> he was like, Oh my God, I have, I have 50 barrels sitting out back that I haven't been able to find a home for, for years. So, so now we sell those for decor, but still, I mean, he was, we're still providing the service by taking these older barrels and now we'll, we'll sell them as planners or to people for their, their basement there in the other building over there. Um, but the good so, news yeah. with that is it sounds like, all right, now we have the relationship. So you can get the wet barrels well, that, that yeah. now you yeah. can So now use. he's like, now I have somebody to go to as right. I fresh dump my barrels. So that was that was a great connection for us. So, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? I mean, if they want to buy planters, if they want to buy barrel staves, if they want to, you know, if they, you know, just just the the everyday consumer, where would they get the uh, Umberna chips? So we are um, we're Lansdale. Um, you can go to Umberana now. I yeah, Umberana Umberana Umberana. People are now looking for other woods. <laughs> exactly right. Umberana. Somebody actually asked me that. Are these Umberana or Umberana. Um, but yeah, you can go on our website, um, which is www.northeastbarrelcompany.com. Uh, check out our Instagram, Northeast Barrel Co. Um, and you have an Etsy store too, right? I do have an Etsy store. Thank you. Um, so we're on Etsy. You could, if you're not close and you want them shipped, you could always go on our website there and, and order them up. Um, and you said Facebook Marketplace as well? Yeah, correct. Every once in a while? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. You're in Lansing. I mean, to see something like this... It, you know, in driving around and then finding out, oh, this is what's going on in one of these buildings? That's the number one. This is one, cool. Yeah, that's the number one reaction I get when somebody comes in that's looking for a barrel for their house. They're like, I can't believe you're in Lansdale. I'm like, yeah, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, We're where would I have it. expected to find this now? Right, right. So, more importantly, or just as important, if you're a cider producer, a brewery, a distillery, a meadery, winery, now you have a place to either to buy if you've never heard of Northeast Barrel Company or sell. If you've not heard of Northeast Barrel Company. Correct, yeah. Yep. And even for the you know, the breweries, cideries, meteries, everybody, you know, once you're done with your barrels, if you're looking for a home, you know, we'll we'll buy them up and sell them for for decor. So that's we're another resource for you guys as well, getting rid of your barrels. Well this has been a lot of fun. I when we met you at CiderCon I said, I, I want to talk barrel. <laughs> I and, and I know for a lot of people that's like, oh, you know, barrel. But what you're doing here, I mean, almost, you should be giving tours daily so people can see what you're doing. But this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Pat, I can't wait to hear more about what's going on and all your successes. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll find our way to uh, do a collaboration. Who knows? Yeah, what, what's down good. the road? Let's do it. All right. Thank <laughs> awesome. you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.